fire department really is a family. Your job as an NCO is the people around you, your peers and your subordinates. Those people are forever going to remember you for who you are. This is the Fire Dog Podcast. Hello, thank you for joining us on episode six of the Fire Dog Podcast. I'm Ben Perry, and I'm joined with my co-host, Matt Wilson. Today, we'll be discussing special duty assignments. Our guest today is joining us from Ramstein Air Base. He is a professional military education instructor currently serving at the Kisling Non-Commissioned Officer Academy. Before his current assignment, he served as a station chief at Ramstein Fire Department. Please welcome Tech Sergeant Kevin Ferguson. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on here, man. I've been following you guys since before when you came back from the TDY and you're like, hey, I was thinking about this podcast deal. So and everything that I've heard from you guys doing, it's it's amazing having that content. I think it's really good stuff that you guys are doing here. Man, we appreciate. I, I know you've been a religious follower and sharing all of our content since we've gotten started. So I really do appreciate that. Little uh, story for the listeners. Kevin and I knew each other immediately upon my arrival here at Ramstein Air Base. Never met him before in my life. Stepped off the rotator after about 20 hours on the road. And there, here comes this firefighter coming up and giving me a hug. And I don't know him at all. So it's a little awkward, but I quickly realized that he's he's going to be one of my best friends here on the installation. So uh, Kevin, man, I appreciate having you on. This is much, much more of a pleasure for me than I'm sure it is for you. Um, but man, I really want to get into talking about your experiences as a PME instructor. Um, first, Matt, do you want to kick off by saying anything? Yeah, I'd just like to say that's a real cute story, Ben. You know, you guys hugging it out <laughs> at the airport. That's pretty cool. Um, All right. My wife was a little shocked, um, probably more so than I was. I expect these sorts of things by now. <laughs> it started off as a joke, actually. So they were telling me, hey, uh, let's do something for the new guy coming in. I was like, I had no clue who you were. I didn't know how big you were. I was just going to come in and see red bags. And I was like, I'm going to give this dude a hug. He's not going to know me. He's not going to know like anybody here, but I'm just going to go and give him a hug. And everybody's like, you won't do it. You won't do it. Yeah. So uh, I stepped in and from then on, uh, me and you hit it off. So that's been good. Well, Kevin, man, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for, for joining us. It's good to get perspective from everybody and it's good to hear everybody's story. And so that's why we're doing this. So how about we start off by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How long have you been in? Yeah. Uh, so I started as an Air Force brat. So my mom did 22 years in the Air Force and I actually went to Ramstein Middle School back in the day. So most of my career has been in Ramstein and I joined the Air Force back in August of 03. Uh, I've been to Ramstein from Ramstein to Ellsworth, from Ellsworth to Kadena and from Kadena back to Ramstein. And now I'm a PME instructor up at Capone. Uh, I've been deployed to Balad, Shindan, Manas, and Nadid. Uh, married. I've got two beautiful boys, so much hair. Uh, but that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, I've got, I'm coming up on 17 years in August. So I'm, I'm loving what I do now, and I can't wait back to get back into the fire department. So how much actual time have you spent in the States? It sounds like you spent a lot of time overseas as a military brat and now in the military. 
Definitely. So I graduated in Ohio. My mom did a tour at Wright Pat. So I claim Ohio. Everybody gets on me because I'm a Buckeye. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. But with that comes, I have to explain. All right. So my brother was born in Philly and making all the traveling and everything. So uh, traveling a lot as a Air Force brat has helped me, especially in the Air Force. Well, when I got my act together anyway. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of people's story, you know, whether it relates to sports or, you know, really any topic is I tell a lot of people, well, I'm from Texas. And then some, t- some people I'll tell, well, I'm from Oklahoma. It really depends on the context of our conversation, right? People give me a hard time about it and they're like, well, man, you got to pick one. My boss, especially. I don't let it bother me. I just, uh, I just roll with it. And then uh, in the right context, I'll explain it. And otherwise I just, I just keep on trucking. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I was a military brat. I lived in, I was born in Las Vegas. I lived in Las Vegas a lot, but I, I moved, I've lived in Kentucky. I've lived in New York state. And when I was at Tyndall and a brand new airman, the guys would mess with me a lot because I, they, they would tell me, I, I don't know where I'm from and you can't, you can't make up, you know, you can't tell us where you're from. So, so I'd get, I get a lot of crap for that too. My boys are going to grow up getting that too, because they have not lived, actually lived in the States past 11 years we've been overseas and my son just literally turned 11 in January. So it's going to be a shocker when I get back to the fire department for one, because they're going to not going to know what a actual fire hydrant looks like because they've seen all the overseas ones. So that's going to be fun. And then also getting that shock, that culture shock. Well, before we get back into you leaving your special duty, uh, I want you to tell us about your special duty. What's it like being an instructor uh, tell us kind of what goes with that on the day-to-day, any ups and downs. So being an instructor is, is different. Uh, like with any job, you have ups and downs, right? But grading sucks. And that's going to be different with the new curriculum. But I literally have taken papers home to grade these two-page papers. I mean, we've gone through changes in this curriculum to where we had a deliberate development plan where students had to write six to eight pages. And now that's no longer an actual thing. So they do it as an exercise. They don't actually do it as an assignment. So we would grade those papers, those six PLDPs, personal leadership development plans, deliberate development plan, two speeches. We'd also have to look for certain behaviors, leadership behaviors. And we have to give a lot of feedback and it's a lot of mind work, especially when students will come and they will actually come up with different scenarios in their work center. And you have to know the material and the content well enough to bounce things like right off of their questions or their answers. Cause having 12 different career fields in your class and then being like, Oh, well in maintenance, we do this. Well, in CE, we do this and it's it's different cultures. And that's a big thing with the fire department being in the fire department. There's, there's a lot of culture there, right? So we do a lot of training. Everybody kind of makes fun of us of all you guys are doing is sitting around playing video games, but they don't actually know what we're doing. And this job really helps out with that because people are starting to understand everybody's little niche and how they fit into the Air Force. So it's, a lot of juggling responsibility and giving feedback to each individual because something that we teach there, each individual is from a different place and they were raised differently. 
So even in their culture in the Air Force might be different. Your response and your feedback's got to be different as well. But it's rewarding. I mean, I've taught 13 classes and I've been a student in each one of those classes. And I love doing what I do, but I'm ready to get back. So uh, to utilize those experiences of reaching out to other organizations and be like, all right, so I've heard from different organizations how you guys do this. And then making sure that we're coming off maybe a little bit different to other organizations in the Air Force. I'm familiar with PLDPs and DDP, but some of our listeners may not be. What are those? What do the acronyms stand for? So your PLDP is your personal leadership development plan. A lot of that is writing on a specific topic of what you believe you want to change in your leadership style. I really hit on when when I'm teaching and I'm instructing. Uh, this is your personal leadership development. Um, you're not going to take this lightly. So when I'm talking to my students, I, I really hit that home because some most people will come to PME and just be like, OK, I just have to check a box. As long as I'm checking those boxes in the rubrics, I'm good. Um, but I, I really put a lot of emphasis on, Hey, this is a time for you to look in, at yourself and the content that we're providing and take something out of the content we're providing and try to grow yourself. And with the, the DDP, the deliberate development plan, that was something that I, I wish could have stayed because now with the exercise, uh, I don't think the students are getting a lot of heart and they're not putting their heart into it because with the deliberate development plan, they are actually developing an airman or themselves. And they have to hit certain parts of that deliberate development plan to be effective when they are sitting down with their airmen. And it's not necessarily just like the ACA where you sit down with your feedback on the the initial feedback or the midterm feedback. So this is actually sitting down and deliberately developing your subordinates to be able to move in a certain direction in their career because of some of the goals that they might have. I appreciate you clarifying those points for us. I'm sure there's listeners that appreciate that. So how did you land the job as a PME instructor? Did you want it? Did you get forced into it? Were you voluntold? How did how'd that go? So I wanted to be an instructor. When they chose me for DSD, I told them that I wanted to be an ALS instructor or I wanted to be an instructor at Goodfellow. That was my look, my take on it. But of course, when you sit down with the commanders and they look at your records and they look exactly what you've done, they might have a different idea for you. So they put down PME instructor and they put down a recruiter. I'm telling you, I probably wouldn't been a great recruiter because I would have looked at somebody that was coming up out of high school like me. And I probably wouldn't have met my numbers because of that. So that that's I'm glad that I got picked up to be a PME instructor. Um, but I got picked up through the regular DSD process. Funny thing was I wasn't originally plucked out of that DSD process originally. So there was another firefighter that had gotten picked up a couple of months beforehand as an NCOA instructor that was supposed to take the job. But 
ended up not getting relieved from his position. So they called me up like a uh, hey, batter up. Uh, so this guy, nope, we're going to take him out. We're going to pinch it. So they plucked me out and they, they didn't even interview me. So I was, I was kind of like a last minute change real quick. Like we got to get a hire right now. Who's it going to be? Okay, cool. This guy wanted to be a AT uh, PME instructor. So they plucked me out real quick and that's how I really got the job. Another thing I really wanted to hit on is I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, Hey, I got this DSD. I really don't want to do it. Right. That's a lot of people come with that kind of attitude. Like I don't want to do this DSD, but having that faith in your commanders and your supervisor can be hard to where you're like, man, I want to be a uh, tech school instructor or I want to be a TI or you may, you may not want to be that TI or tech school instructor, but your commander sees something in you to be able to grow. I think if you are in the right part of your career, you'd be able to do it. Um, if I were to do it all over again, uh, I probably would have done it earlier rather than later because uh, in, in the PME world, it's, it's rough. Now I'm going back in as a seasoned technical sergeant and I'm going to have to be that expert to lead my guys when I go back into fire. But I'm going to have to lean on a lot of my guys to be able to refresh me on some of those things, because truthfully, a lot of things have changed since I have left the last three years. A lot of things have changed in the fire department. I haven't touched a new P-19, but every, I see everybody getting them. So I'm going to have to learn those those little things again and some of the processes that uh, fire has. Kevin, I think you'll be just fine. You'll pick it up. I think the first step is realizing that you don't know something and, you know, leaning on those guys, having the humility to lean on some of the younger guys too. You're going to be, you're going to do great. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Thanks. So, you know, you talked about needing a little time when you come back in to kind of get reacclimated. What about the culture? You know, you're coming from an environment of, let's say professionalism where sometimes the fire service can lack that in the day to day. Uh, we're a little less white collar, if you will. <laughs> so as you make your transition back from PME to the fire department, you know, kind of what's your plan going forward to bring the, some of that culture back, uh, to, to build up the career field as you enter back in to kind of bring some of that with you. And then what are you going to kind of let go of, Oh, as you okay. come back, loaded, right. loaded question, loaded question there. So yeah, I, I'm definitely going to bring a lot back. The professional part of PME is not what everybody kind of thinks of it. I mean, the first couple classes were rough because I would slip up all the time. I would curse. I would just be like, oh man, I messed up. So I would bring the class back and be like, all right, so let me give you these 10 push-ups real quick, because I know that's not allowed in this environment. But realistically, in everybody's environment is a little bit different. Everybody's culture is a little bit different. So when going back into the fire department, I believe if I apply the certain aspects of the NCOA culture correctly to the fire department, we can bring back that professionalism to the fire department. It's easy for us to joke around 
and poke fun at everybody inside the fire department. I'm not talking about that. That's that's how the fire department is, right? But when we step off that truck to go to the commissary or a call, we don't need to be cursing and yelling at each other or poking fun at each other because next thing you know, you have a general's wife listening on what we're supposed to be doing and as those first responders and your chief is hearing about it. And now you have a black eye, not only as the engine company or the ARF guys, ARF crews, but you have a black eye as a fire department. And that's something that we really want to avoid. A follow-up question to the professionalism. Do you have any good stories? So you talked about a story that you slipped up and you gave 10 push-ups, and you know, that's not acceptable. Are there any other awesome stories that you may be slipping up doing something that you did in the fire department that didn't work so well in the PME center? So additional stories, not attribution, man. <laughs> well, this is gonna, this is going to touch a few lives. So let's uh, maybe keep the, all right. Your secret so, safe with me, but everybody else is listening to this. Everybody else listening. So we're all human, right? So there's, there's going to be things that you do wrong in the, in the fire department. There's going to be things that you do wrong in PME, but as long as you're able to bounce back and be able to correct those things, I, th- I think that's the best part of growing and knowing yourself. So I don't have any great stories, man, that I could lead you off on. Um, there I've had some, some, crazy things, uh, conversations with students to where I actually had to think of myself as a supervisor, um, in those aspects. I mean, when you have a sexual assault happen in your flight room, uh, that kind of stuff really changes the way you think about sexual assault. So bringing that back into the fire department and like, man, uh, poking fun, playing grab ass, that kind of stuff. That's, 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 those are the things that we're going to make mistakes on. Right. So actually experiencing that and in the flight room and bringing it back to the fire department, I think that's going to be a good thing. I don't think I slipped up a lot. Um, a lot of it was probably cursing. Um, uh, there were some things, some jokes or whatnot that I probably wanted to, say to certain students, say to certain instructors where I couldn't have, where in the fire department, it would really fly. And it, but it's, it doesn't, it's not the same environment. So you have to recognize the culture that you're in. And I think that's a a lot of what helped me in PME. The professional part of the air force actually saved my career. And it took a while for me to move in the ranks because of it, because I didn't care. I was eight year senior airman. And I really didn't care about moving up or moving on because I was good to stay a driver and get paid to be a driver for the rest of my career. But that wasn't happening for the Air Force. You had to move on. So it came to that last year testing where I had a supervisor tell me, hey, uh, Senior Airman Ferguson, what are you going to do? Because you're either getting out next year or you're going to test and make staff sergeant. So I had a good supervisor to lead me down the right path. I think that's what really geared me towards being a PME instructor or being an instructor to be able to do that, to be able to do that for my airmen or my staff sergeants moving on. 
So once that supervisor led me down that path of, hey, you should probably join Honor Guard or you should probably do F-Tech instructor for four months and come right back to the fire department. I think that really helped me cement that I really wanted to be a PME instructor because those lives that from straight from tech school, those lives are in your hands, welcoming those those airmen in and telling them exactly what they need to do at a certain base. So I was blessed to be able to have that opportunity as an F-Tech instructor before actually becoming a PME instructor. Kevin, it sounds like a success story to me. Eight years senior airman. Now you're a PME instructor. You were an F-Tech guy. I mean, those are some pretty, they don't just pick anybody for those positions. So clearly you've made the turn and congratulations to you. It's a great story. And I hope that it's going to, I think that I know that it's going to add value to a lot of our listeners. There's probably senior airmen sitting out there that, uh, that this is going to help. I appreciate you sharing that. One well, moreover, I think Kevin is the NCOA instructor of the year, <laughs> maybe two years in a row. So, um, yeah, I've gotten my act together. Like I never really were, was, I never really was the awards guy. Uh, even as a new tech sergeant or staff sergeant I was really never the awards guy. But as soon as I got the PME and saw exactly Capturing those things are, are going to help me down the road. Being an NCO of the year 2018 and being the instructor of the year 2019 and moving forward, I actually had some great mentors in PME as well. So getting me to see little different things that are going to help me in my future. I think there's a good point to be made here is the, the award winners the ones that are successful are the ones that don't chase the awards or the people that are successful in the air force are the ones that don't chase. They, they do what they're supposed to do each day. They do it for the right reasons. They do it for the team. Those are the guys and gals that, that end up getting the awards, hopefully nine times out of 10. I'd like to think that that's true. So congratulations on that. So we talked about how tough the transition was from firefighting to professional military education instructor what are some firefighting qualities or firefighter qualities, things that you learned as a firefighter that helped you as an instructor? So being personable, uh, a lot of the things that we do as firefighters every day, a lot of us are outgoing, want to get to know each other, want to get to know our, we want to get to know the people who are serving. So when we're out there being the fire inspector and we're getting to know the people around us, that, that really helped me to be a good PME instructor, getting to know the, the signs and symptoms of a person just by asking them, connecting with that, that person. So mistakes are going to be made and I've got to be able to realize that whether, um, coming back to the fire department or not, um, me recognizing those mistakes and learning and growing from them, especially coming in, I'm not going to come in and be like, who ya PME or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that's the right thing to do when you're coming back into a fire department, you're going to have to get to know the people who you're working with on your left and your right and grow that family type atmosphere again. And that's one thing that I'm really ready to get back to because the fire department really is a family type atmosphere. Being overseas for so long, uh, that, that might be different in the States. So I, I need to be able to adjust and be able to move on the fly when it comes to those things and not really 
take that hit on the noggin when I'm trying to get to know my guys or gals. Kevin, what are some of the recommendations for success you can give firefighters who are set to attend ALS or NCOA here shortly? What traits will make them successful in class, um, specifically as firefighters, you know? So I tell all my students this, you're getting paid to grow professionally. Yes, it's going to be on an Air Force standpoint and we're hitting the masses. You got to think we're hitting the masses. Not everything's going to apply to a firefighter mindset. So all the concepts and everything that we teach in ALS or even NCOA, we have to be able to pluck those concepts and be able to utilize them. So go in with an open mind. You are going to, if you're going to NCOA, you have 25 academic days that you're getting paid for. Don't just sit there and not do anything and just check the box because those people, whether you're going to NCOA or ALS, those people are forever going to remember you for who you are and being able to network and get to know the people and their jobs. That's going to help you further down the line. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've reached back to somebody that was in my NCOA class for help with something. Once we got back to our duty stations, especially the calm guys, (laughs) (laughs) always the calm guys, the finance guys, you're going to be able to hit up and they're going to be like, yeah. So that's why you're going to go in with an open mind and a great attitude. If you go in there with an open mind and great attitude and want to be able to learn things and not only from the instructor, I, I tell my students all the time, I'm going to learn more from my students than I'm going to teach you because of your experience in the Air Force. On average, I get about 130 years of experience in my flight room and they've all experienced something different. So being able to teach 13 flights and hear those experiences, I've always learned something. That's a great attitude to have. That's an attitude every instructor should have. Hopefully every instructor does have that. And that's why they hand select them, I think, in the Air Force, hopefully to get people that think that way. I'm going to learn more from my students than what I teach you. You know, what? yeah, what an awesome attitude to have. What a good learning environment that you're fostering. So you talked about the students having good attitudes to be successful, have a good attitude. It's so easy. When I went through Airman Leadership School, it was so easy for me to focus on everything that was wrong with it or everything I didn't like about it. And I may have not had the best attitude going through it. I ended up enjoying it when I was done, but I didn't have the best attitude going through. You have to do it anyways. Why not focus on what's good about it? Try to get something out of it and hopefully bring that back to the fire department or whatever flight you're assigned to. Exactly. That's, that's the, that's the attitude I would like to push on any firefighter going through PME. You're going to get a lot more out of it in the long run. Uh, You don't want to look back and just be like, oh, it was a waste. The Air Force is paying for you to grow where in civilian organizations, you have middle management where you, where it would be the staff sergeant or technical sergeants where they have to learn on the fly. They don't really care about uh, feedback or the things that are going to happen below them or above them. They're concentrating on their one little bit where the Air Force is paying you to learn in a safe environment where hopefully nobody's going to die. Like you're in a safe environment to be able to try different things. 
Like if you're a very straightforward, abrupt person and you know it, being self-aware is one of the things that we teach in PME and trying something different, trying something different with your peers, because they're going to be able to give you feedback on it and be like, yeah, I think that was good. Or I think you should try something different because that really didn't work. If you're going to go in with a bad attitude, one person can change the way a flight has that connection. One person can change that. So you can have a flight full of 12 or 14 people and one person with a bad attitude can have the whole flight cross their arms and not want to participate. So as firefighters, we should go in there with our head on straight and make sure that we don't want to be that person. I've seen it. I've seen firefighters come through and I'm like, man, I apologize for my firefighter because they didn't put on a, a good head for this environment. It's going to depend on your instructor and the people around you as well. But you controlling what you can control in your atmosphere, like you control yourself. Nobody else can control you. And being able to give that feedback to that person, they might not take it. But it's our job as NCOs, as airmen, to be able to give feedback, whether it's up or down the chain. Yeah. You, as, if you go in as a firefighter, you are representing the fire department. You're representing the career field. And you're going to leave a lasting impression on all these people. They're going to remember firefighter Matt throughout the rest of their career. And they may associate who he was with who the rest of firefighters are. That's a great point to make. So you're transitioning back to the fire department pretty soon, right? Yes. Uh, come June. Awesome. In June. So what are some things that you learn as an instructor? I, I think you hit on a few of them already that, that'll help you when you go back into the fire department. Some things that I learned as an instructor, I really wasn't a great staff sergeant either. Um, so like we learned from certain mistakes and the things that we do, I had the pleasure of, going TDY and teaching ALS as well. So having that experience of teaching ALS and NCOA, it's great because you get to hear both perspectives. You get to hear an airman perspective on their supervisors. And then you go to their supervisors and they're like, well, th my supervisors aren't doing their job. So it's, it's funny how, where you have airmen saying your staff sergeants and your technical sergeants aren't doing their job. And then you have these technical sergeants and staff sergeants saying their master sergeants and leadership aren't doing their job either. So having that perspective and being able to speak to my younger airmen and speak to those mass sergeants above me and translate those, that vision, like every fire department has a vision, uh, translate that vision down, being able to do that. I think at my level, at least what I can, my scope, people talk about your scope all the time is 10 feet in either direction. If you can't change the, the scope of the people above you, all right, so now your job as an NCO is the people around you, your peers and your subordinates to be able to change that light at least. Are you expecting any kind of negative feedback when you come back to the fire department, some ill will or any kind of animosity that you left that you were out too long and now maybe you don't know what you're doing. Um, I know that some people have had that experience in the past. Um, I'm hoping our culture has evolved to the point where that's maybe not so much the case, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? So there are going to be 
those negative Nancy's as we call them. But I've, I've got to be prepared for that because if I'm not able to change their mind by being personable and being like, Hey, reaching out to those people and be like, okay, I may not know this, but this is why I'm going to lean on you to be able to teach me, train me in this area. Like I said, I'm not going to come in all knowing three years out of the fire department. That's going to be, that's rough. So coming back into the fire department, yes, uh, there, I, I, I expect that, but I'm going to turn it to my advantage. I believe, I, I think it's, we have a lot of firefighters actually coming back into the career field. Not only me, but I know of at least four this year um, that are technical sergeants or master sergeants that are coming back into the career field. So hearing their perspective as well, reaching out to those people and make making sure that we're getting, the culture is going to change. The culture is going to change because the fire department gets a lot of people who are selected for DSD because we're good at doing our job. So they want the best of the best to do a DSD. There was a time, I believe, where there were 12 technical sergeants or master sergeants uh, being TIs as they were prior firefighters. I'm like, wow, how awesome is that to have your Yeah, those guys field. are shaping the the young generation of airmen that are coming in today from a firefighter perspective mixed with their TI, you know, roles and responsibilities. That's, that's going to, those are going to be a great batch of airmen. I think that come out of there. Yeah. Great batch. And, and we're taking the best firefighters to do that. So why wouldn't you want to do something like that in your career to be able to grow those people or even, um, even bringing civilians into the air force? I believe as fire department in the air force, we're leading that, that charge to DSD. There might be some negative connotation, but like they want the best. And I believe they're taking a lot of the best, including security forces. I mean, they have a big batch of security forces as well. Coming back. I know two instructors that I'm working with now they're going back in. They're expecting the same thing. Backlash. Oh, you don't know this but it's up to us to be able to create that culture when we get back to the fire department to be like, all right, what can I learn from you? Tell me something. I think those negative attitudes, they're out there and they're loud, but it's a small minority of folks. I think that the vast majority of people are going to see the value that you're bringing. I could tell you in in the fire department I'm in now, I would love to have a guy coming back from DSD, somebody that has a fresh perspective. They've been out for a while. Hopefully they're willing to learn. They have all of those attributes that are going to bring back from their special duty that they did and now apply to their, a PME instructor is coming here. That is awesome. There's so much that they can now teach the NCOs and airmen and civilians that are on the floor or wherever within the department. There's a lot of value. I think that that adds, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to when you come back? So a a lifetime goal ever since I was, I guess, a a senior airman is I want to lead a shift. Like that's, that's it. I'm coming back and in August, it'll be 17 years. And if I don't lead a shift, I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty riled up. Um, But I I understand the life um, of being a PME instructor. They're probably not going to put me there right away. So I'm going to have to work for those things, you know? So being able to be flexible. Um, I'm looking forward to being with 
the fire department again, because I do miss that culture, being able to get my hands dirty. Um, I miss putting the bunker gear on and putting out a fake fire. I mean, those are the little things you dread those things sometimes when you're in it, but when you're actually getting your hands dirty and everything, I've, I've been in the office too long now, three years is too long. So when I get back, I'm, I'm planning on tying ropes, making sure I'm fresh on those things, making sure I'm getting in my gear, getting my hands dirty, put out a fire. But those are the things I'm looking for training, training. Yeah. So how have you stayed connected with the fire department while you've been out? Have you just completely taken off the gear and not, not thought anything about it for three years to kind of clear your mind and fully invest in the PME thing? Or did you try to keep one leg in and retain a little connection or somewhere in between? So with that, I think with the first year, I was all in on the PME gig just because it's a lot. So I did have those connections at the Ramstein fire department, but those guys continue to leave and go different places. So like now I'm here and I, I, there's a brand new fire department, right? There's a new chief, there's new ACs, but keeping connected with those individuals and seeing those people come in and staying relevant in the fire department is important because now I need those guys when I'm going back in. Cause I've already been talking to a couple mass sergeants uh, Mass Sergeant Katz and Mass Sergeant Basinger. Um, I was actually deployed with Mass Sergeant Basinger to Balad. So he, once I made that connection with those individuals, they were like, okay, so these are the things you need to think of. EMR. I was like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> these CVTs are going to start adding up. Munitions, firefighting. Oh, oh, and have you actually heard of the fire department SharePoint? Well, I left right at the time where the fire department SharePoint took off. So that didn't even hit my radar. So now I'm looking through everything in the fire department SharePoint. I'm like, man, I have a lot of catching up to do. So reaching out to those guys and staying connected, it's going to be pivotal for me coming back into the fire department because they're going to tell me the things that I need to do and the things that I need to know to be successful. Kevin, the insight you've been able to provide today, um, hopefully will help a few firefighters as they transition from being a, an everyday firefighter to uh, a PME instructor or a TI or a recruiter or any of the other great DSDs that are out there. Is there any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to either share with them or share with any of the listeners today? So my, my final thoughts uh, for everybody that's listening, not only the people who want to be a DSD, but to keep that open mind. Um, if you keep an open mind and be open to feedback, a lot of things will change. I've seen it happen so many times in the flight room and for the students who reach back to me and like, Hey, feedback actually works. So yes, that that's my final thought. Be open to feedback and be open-minded going forward. Well, that's, I mean, you don't get better, better advice than that. I don't think Matt, do you got any uh, final words for us here? No, thanks Kevin for coming on and sharing. Like I said earlier, everybody has a story. Everybody's going to add value, I think, to all our listeners. And I, I appreciate you providing your story for us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate this. Yeah, Kevin, thank you from uh, us here at the Fire Dog Podcast. Um, we'd like to have you back anytime. And of course, you and I are good friends, so I'll probably see you tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Hey, that's going to do it for us here at the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more content just like this regularly posted at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast. 
That is facebook.com forward slash the fire D-A-W-G podcast. Please like and subscribe and share with your friends and coworkers. And don't forget to rate this episode wherever you listen to your podcast. This has been Perry with co-host Matt Wilson and our guest, Kevin Ferguson. Until next time, stay safe.